Hey, everybody, if you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now, and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF, and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and there's Jerry. Let's go. <laughs> so, do you remember when we went to Australia on tour? Yes. Yes, I do. Remember how fun that was? It was fun. It's like it was just a dream. It was like a dream. A good, good dream. Uh, when we were there, like we do at um, all of our live shows, we do some Q&A at the end and take questions. And on more than one occasion in more than one city, we had someone stand up and said uh, something along the lines of, well, you should cover the emu wall, mate. <laughs> and we were like, we thought emus were birds. And they went, just look it up. Right. So we did that, and here it is. Go. Okay, all right, <laughs> let's go. So uh, to go, Chuck, we have to go back to the end of World War I, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of Australian veterans were returning from the war, mm -hmm. and the government said, you know what? We want to show you guys how happy we are with you, and just to say thanks, we're going to set you up with a bunch of acres of farmland, and you can start farming. And not only can you start farming, if you grow wheat, we'll buy it from you at ridiculous prices. So basically, we're setting you up to go set up a life for yourself as farmers here in Australia. And that sounded pretty great, right? Like all the veterans were like, yeah, let's, let's do that. Uh, give us some land. And that's where the first problem comes in. Yeah, because they didn't have enough land. They didn't. <laughs> no. I don't know if they didn't think they would as many would take them up on it, or if they didn't count right. Right. But they had about uh, two hundred close to two hundred twenty-two thousand three hundred ninety-five acres of land to split between five thousand soldiers. Mm -hmm. um, it was doled out in order. Um, obviously, the best stuff went away first, and then uh, if you're at the end of the line, you got your land in Perth, which sounds like a dig. <laughs> Uh, I love Perth. I thought it was yeah, great. Me too. It was much different than I thought. It was pretty amazing, but it's apparently not great for farming. Right. It's not great for farming. There are also rabbit infestations. Um, I believe there's also a drought in Western Australia, which is where Perth is. Um, so all of this happens right after um, the government agrees like to, to set all of their veterans up like this. So it looks really bad that immediately there's hardships associated with this kind of government dole, dole plan, right? Yes. Um, then the Great Depression ends up hitting. But it, it, as it's hitting, they're debating exactly how much they're going to pay for this wheat that their veterans are going to grow for them. And it starts out really, really generous. They say like four shillings, which is— Per bushel. I think a, Right. Yeah. Per bushel. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, per piece of wheat. Um, <laughs> which at the time, that was a pretty good price for a bushel of wheat. You know, it was like government subsidized wheat. And then the government said, yeah, we're not going to do that. Let's try again. And they came up with another bill and they said three shillings. I said, okay, that's still pretty good. And they finally settled and in 1931 at four and a half pence. And there, there's not many pence in a shilling. So that was a pretty steep reduction between four shillings down to four and a half pence per, per bushel. So that's kind of like 
they're starting to add insult onto injury now. All right, so park that to the side, and we'll tell you a little bit about the Australian emu, which mm-hmm. um, I saw on a couple of my little uh, uh, adventure trips. I'm sure you did sure. as well. They are, um, I mean, a dumb American might say it looks like an ostrich. I was about to say it looks like an ostrich. Yeah. <laughs> We're dumb Americans. <laughs> Let's say this. It looks more like an ostrich than it looks like a cardinal. Right. What, way to save us, Chuck. Uh, they're, you know, they're tall. They're about six, six and a half feet tall, depending. They can weigh up to 100 pounds or more. They kind of do their own thing for the most part. Uh, they get together to breed, but they really don't like to be around other emus. Usually, except when they go off and, and get food. They're They're grazers. And they will graze together, but they're all like, they're all just sort of in the same area grazing. They're not like forming a pack or forming a bond or anything like. Right. Uh, They're just hungry and they're big and they like to hang out generally by themselves unless you've got tons and tons of new wheat fields in Western Australia. Yeah, they'll they'll eat just about anything, but you know if they have a plentiful supply of wheat, you can attract a lot of emus with a lot of wheat, and so all of a sudden there's a big old supply of wheat in Western Australia because all these veterans showed up and started growing it there, and so the emus started to come and they started to eat this wheat, and the veterans said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, emus! This is my wheat. I'm growing this because the government's going to pay me for it." Um, and the emu said, we don't care. We're going to eat your wheat anyway. And all of a sudden, the first shot in what would become the emu war was fired by the emus. And we'll come back right after this to finish this ridiculous story. <laughs> everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website. Whether it's an online course or custom merch, Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one-time fee, or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. 
and you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887, and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. If you want to know, then you're in luck. Just listen up to Josh and Chuck. Stuff you should know. All right, so it's 1932. Mm -hmm. These veterans are growing wheat in Western Australia, and 20,000 emus see nothing basically but a big wheat buffet in front of their faces. Right. And so they descend upon Western Australia. These veterans are like, um, it's out of control. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but we actually need help, government. You gave us this land. You're not paying us well for it. And now these emus are eating it all. And this is going to be a big problem for the country if Western Australia is tanked all of a sudden economically because of these emus. And so the army, under the direction of Major General P.W. Meredith, said, let's go kill a bunch of emus. Right, right. Because so like this is this is a problem that has kind of saddled um, the the Western Australia veterans who are growing wheat out there. But it's also a really big opportunity for the government to show just how much they care about their veterans. They're going to send the army out to take care of this emu problem. And so the, the government saw it as enough of a propaganda move that they actually sent out a Fox movie tone news cameraman to uh, film this whole thing. To, to be used as propaganda to show what the government's doing. And I guess because they assume that most Australians would want to see 20,000 emus slaughtered by <laughs> machine course, guns. Of course they would. So they sent somebody to go film this this massacre. Yeah, but this was all under, uh, there was a deal to be made, and they said, all right, we'll do this, we'll help you out, but you got to pay for the ammunition, veterans, <laughs> and you got to provide food and lodging for these soldiers. And the veteran said, what? <laughs> the veteran said, all right, I guess we have no choice. So sure, we'll do that. Um, here's the other thing about the emu. Mm -hmm. If you get a gun out and you start shooting at them, they're going to stop grazing and they are going to go berserk. Right, right. Because remember, they don't actually have much of like a society or a pack or anything like that. So they're not coordinating. It's just every emu for itself all of a sudden. And if you have 20,000 of them doing every emu for themselves... Yes, it's like what you said. It's they go berserk. Yeah, so they're um, it's a big problem. You've got machine guns. These emus, twenty thousand of them are are. It's not like they're all packed in a couple of wheat fields. They're spread all over Western Australia. They're all over the place. They're running. Uh, it, it's crazy town <laughs> that these emus are running everywhere like uh, crazy birds with right. their gangly legs and their. Yeah. I mean, have you ever seen an emu run? It's pretty funny looking. I've seen an ostrich run. <laughs> it's probably close, you know, more like, more the same than a cardinal, cardinal running. Right, exactly. Uh, and if you've got a machine gun, you're just spraying bullets, basically hoping that you're going to hit an emu. There's no, like, take aim and fire. They're just, like, shoot in that direction. Right. And the, the result is they're not killing many of these things at all. No, no. I mean, they they were surprised to find that they might as well have been deployed to go shoot at a bee problem with machine guns for the yeah. effect it was having on the emus. They were just 
the the emus were basically indestructible. It turned out not because they they could withstand a bullet, but because they were just they were <laughs> they moving too quick and too berserk bullet. to get hit by a bull, bullet. You know, <laughs> you're like I put three bullets into this thing, but it just made them angry. <laughs> it didn't even break eye contact. So they had these machine guns or jamming. They didn't have a lot of guns. Uh, you know, it's a problem if they're worried about the cost of ammunition to begin with. Right. Uh, they staged multiple offenses over the course of about six days, none of which were very effective. And media coverage starts pouring in. It's not a very good look. Uh, so six days later, they kind of bail on that, stage another attempt a few weeks later that was not much more successful. I mean, we're talking about killing a few hundred birds out of 20,000. Right, and they were apportioned 10,000 rounds of ammunition. They used 2,500 rounds just to kill 200 yeah. of the 20,000 emus. So they were pretty surprised that, that, like, when those numbers started coming in and the rest of Australia heard about this, it did not look very good for the military. No, it did not look look good. And even at the, at the time, and even in Australia at the time, it wasn't a good look for the army to be slaughtering birds. Sure, even though they had been classified as vermin at the time, I think right. most people were like, what are you guys doing? I'm glad the emus are winning. So people started rooting for the emus. Yeah, so there's, uh, it's, it's pretty much a big disaster. Um, like I said, they had a couple of offenses they mounted. None of them were super successful. Uh, they eventually just stop. basically. The emus won the war of, of the emus. Right. For the for then for for the time being, at least with the military, after that the uh, farmers in Western Australia said, um, "We'll just take care of this ourselves," and so they found that just using a um, single shot rifle was much more effective. So much so that within a few months, something like fifty thousand emus had been killed in Western Australia by gun, just not machine gun. Yeah, and you know what really helped was in 1930 when they started to build fences around these farms. Right. Helped a lot. Um, that it, it didn't help, though, that the Army had actually broken one of the fences. They, while they were still shooting at the emus, they had mounted a, a machine gun onto the back of a car. So they could riding, catch up to them. <laughs> yes, and were riding along, and I guess they ran over an emu, and it got caught up in one of the axles so that they couldn't steer, and they drove through somebody's fence, which made all the papers as well, because that was a big part of the emu wars, too. Cue yakety sex. <laughs> exactly. Uh, apparently, the people of Western Australia asked for assistance from the government again for emus in 34, 43, and 48, and each time uh, the government and army said, no, 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 we're not going down that road again. No. But the uh, and the emu said, "Can you guys just please leave us alone?" And the government finally said yes and protected them once more. They were no longer vermin. So we'll say this is a happy ending. <laughs> I guess not if you're an emu, but sure. I got nothing else. All right, that's it. Short stuff. Stuff you should know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.